Welcome to another episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Dale Walker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Well, hi, everybody. I am so excited to share this lesson on the un unleashing the world-changing power of uh, mentoring, part one. This week, I, I just really want to talk about being a mentee <laughs> as the step towards being a mentor and what a great mentee is. <laughs> and and I, again, feel so passionate about this message. Uh, maybe more than ever in my life, I, I understand that the greatest challenge of my life in the church is to mentor others in the fulfillment of Jesus' great commission. Go make disciples. What is that? Go deposit what God has put into you, into others, that they can live the life of Jesus that you have had the privilege to learn to live. I remember many years ago, hearing a preacher say, there is no success without successors. And it really began to, to, to hit me that this life really is a relay race. And, you know, no matter how fast you run your race, right, if you're in a relay, if, if you drop the baton and it doesn't get to the next generation, you don't win. And I think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer who, who wrote, a righteous person lives for the next generation. Um, the ultimate success of our life is not what we achieve, but what others achieve because of us. The most powerful things we leave behind are not the fruit, but the seeds. And uh, this is huge. You know, when I sit here, I think back of the mentors in my life, things that I'm doing. And, and I, I recognize, oh, I got that from her. You know, I've shared before, if you never met my mom, you've met my mom. Because when you hear Dale pray, uh, you hear my mom who mentored me in prayer. There's people I could mention, Norman Grubb, people when I was young, a Ken Gullickson, who spent time with me. And I, I've got freedom in areas today and every time I just start thinking of the freedom, I think, wow, someone walked beside me. We, uh, in, in a huge way, have a vision. I, I one time saw our church, and the Lord said, this is like a dandelion. Uh, this is not simply a church that's to look like something, but the wind is going to blow seeds through you, and you are going to plant seeds in people all around the world. And for generations to come, lives are going to be changed greater than you can imagine. Um, one of the reasons this is so passionately a part of my life is when I look at the church today, uh, the importance of mentoring has never stood out more. You know, it's so easy in a church when you come to church and maybe I see a lot of people sitting out there. It's easy for me to assume discipleship is happening. Man, I'm preaching great sermons. I've studied this. But we know that people are not discipled by just hearing the word. There has to be more than that. 
Uh, someone described preaching as if you can imagine a little cups and you got a fire hose and you're just spraying over this audience of cups. Well, there might be a few drops get in there, but if a life is going to be full, it has to be filled one at a time. Uh, some of the statistics say part of our country, even before the pandemic, the average Christian was now only coming to church about once every three weeks. And in some places now, it's just once every six weeks. I know that just that just makes me go crazy because I'm up there, you know, I'm up there going to preach a, a series and say, forget the series. This was the only one that a whole bunch of these people will ever hear. And as a result, um, the the kind of depth, it's so easy for Christians today to be a mile wide and an inch deep because that's not going to do it to just have an institutional I believe, especially with with the next generation, Gen Z and others, that we cannot expect there to be institutional discipleship, people coming to church services or programs. There must be a relational discipleship. Even getting people to volunteer, it's it's not it's not by you know offering enticing opportunity. It's it's relational. Come and be with me. Come and see what I do. It's organic. I love what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4.15. Even though you've had 10,000 teachers, you do not have many fathers. But in Christ Jesus, I became a father to you through the gospel. And I just love what Paul is saying. You know, we don't just need teachers. We need fathers, mothers. We need people who walk with us. We often say teaching is information-oriented, Discipleship or mentoring is transformational oriented. Uh, you know, what What I know about me and anyone else is if I don't have relationships with people that I'm accountable to, that I'm actually applying and, and getting their input and they're asking me questions, then, then I'm not really growing to my full potential. It's so easy for me to assume that I'm growing, but when I have to be accountable for it, like what did you do this week uh, to grow your faith, then it begins to go personal and it, and it goes deep. And I believe with all my heart that God has given each of us a stewardship. What I put in you, your life is going to count to the degree that it's lived out by others that you become a reproducer of what God's put in you. Now, the incredible thing is when you do this, when you make disciples, it's a win-win. They, they get blessed. But I, I love to think of David's mighty men. He pours into these, and in one place it calls them, you know, the scattered, the, uh, the indebted, <laughs> the broken, the kind of the outcasts. And, and he disciples them to become the mighty men. Well, they don't just become mighty men. They become David's mighty men. They save him in battles. And the investment you put in other believers comes back to you a hundredfold. I'm convinced that as our church, the Lord told me that our greatest mission is to steward what God has given us as a congregation. You know, I tell people all the time, after 27 years and being a pastor for 47 years, uh, there's not a question left. Can we have good church services? Can we 
grow a church? Can we be successful? That's not the question anymore. The question is, will there be a church 50 years from now? Will we, will we create something that outlives us? Will we multiply this? I had a kind of an interesting word, a picture of something the Lord showed me. And it was just kind of a funny thing. I'll give you the highlights of it. Uh, I was praying. I saw a picture of, of Colonel Sanders. That's right. You know, Colonel Sanders. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden the Lord was saying, I'm, I'm doing something in your, in your church. It's going to be something like Colonel Sanders. So one, I look at it and it's kind of interesting because he was really in his 60s before this thing franchised and Kentucky Fried Chicken became something that went to all the nations. Uh, and he had a great quote, which says, it's not starting late. That If you start late doesn't mean you failed. It means that God had prepared you for something more than you imagined. So I first felt God saying, hey, don't worry that you're, you're kind of old now, whatever. But then secondly... I felt like the Lord was saying, Dale, you have, you know, the 11 herbs and spices. There is something that you have, a values and a culture. The whole world needs churches like Heart for the World. I haven't just given you a church to be blessed. I've given you a church to reproduce and to raise up others and to impart to the special sauce, as it were, to many congregations and to many leaders who will reproduce this around the world. That's my dream. It really is. One thing I, I, I ask, though, is, well, why, why isn't there more real discipleship in the church today? Why isn't there more um, multiplication? And let me just say a few things. Number one, real mentoring in, in Christian terms, discipleship, is hard. <laughs> I mean, it goes against the flesh. It's not comfortable. Um, right now, we have the experience we 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 bought a couple of puppies and and I've been trying to train Sassy is her name this labradoodle. I I you know I've lost it more than once. All right, uh, I I just lost my cool with her because whatever messes in the living room and doing weird things and. Uh, all of a sudden, I remembered it's hard to speak the truth in love. It's hard to nurture. Uh, it's hard to to raise a puppy. Well, it's hard to raise a disciple too. And uh, I know Sharon can agree to that. She's been trying to disciple me and some of my my cleaning habits of <laughs> picking up well after myself. And and she's still trying to to help me. It's hard because real discipleship means patient development being accountable, learning. It's a slow process. Real, real discipleship means becoming vulnerable. It means people know your secrets. It means, you know, you have to have hard conversation. You have to challenge and be challenged. You have to value changing and giving up your excuses. It's, it's a long and slow journey. And let's just face it, in our culture today, uh, people want quick fixes. They want easy. They want to be comfortable, not challenged. <laughs> they want self-esteem, not take up your cross and learn the life of sacrifice for, for, your, for my glory. And so let's just face it, boy, if we're going to mentor people to make a change for generations to come, uh, this is going to be a, a huge challenge. And... 
we're going to have to be ready to go a little bit deeper and do things we haven't naturally done in the past. So where does it start? And that's where I really wanted to to focus our discussion today. I really believe becoming a great mentor, as I said earlier, uh, being someone who changes the world by how you impart and develop people actually begins by being a good mentee. (laughs) You know, you cannot give what you have not received. You know, one of the questions I ask if someone's going to mentor me is, who's mentoring you? I mean, if you're not mentored, you're not able to mentor well. Uh, There's a lot of people with knowledge. There's a lot of people who have opinions But that's not what it takes to mentor. What it takes to mentor is that you have been put to the test and your knowledge has become obedient and you have the spoils and proof of battles won. Why? Because you walked this out. You didn't just hear a bunch of sermons and quote a bunch of people. You've been discipled. And that included having people in your life that really mentored you. Paul, in 2 Timothy 2.2, kind of gives us the rule of mentoring. He says to Timothy, Timothy, the things that you saw and heard in me, now take and teach and give to others. In other words, Paul is saying that the way you become a great mentor is you become the champion of someone who mentors you, of people. And I'll say right up front, mentoring uh, is is not just one person. You you need many mentors in your life, but how you respond to those mentors really speaks in the long run of the impact you're going to have and be able to have when it comes to mentoring others. Um, I love what Luke sixteen twelve says: If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? If you haven't been willing to sit at somebody's feet and and glean all you can and and really faithfully serve them and work under them and and be corrected and shaped, uh, how, how do you expect to have the authority now to go and do that for other people? Um, one of the, the key things, and, and so let me just reflect, is I've been just trying to con- reflect on the greatest mentees. <laughs> Uh, in the Bible, and some of them would obviously include Elisha, Joshua, Timothy, and Paul himself, who was mentored by Barnabas. And immediately what I thought is they became the greatest people in the Bible. All were mentored. <laughs> they were they were very intentionally mentored. You know, Joshua, 40 years under Moses. Uh, Elisha, Man, Elisha, we don't know exactly how many years that he just washed Elijah's hand. He just he just came under that. And uh, in the end, he had the boldness to be able to ask, hey, Elijah, can I have a double portion of your anointing? Because of how incredible he was at, at receiving. I've heard this and I've seen this over and over that one of the top characteristics of great leaders is they passionately seek coaches. Uh, If you look in in sports world or athletes, you find who are the best. 
in whatever sport, what you're going to find is that they don't just have one coach. They'll have five coaches because they understand that there is a level of success and ability you can get to by your own discipline. But the highest level, it takes coaching. You don't have eyes to see yourself where you most need to be able to see to change or grow. You don't have the experience that it takes to make the adjustments to go to a higher level because you've never been to that higher level. And so one of the signs of somebody who's on the road to greatness is they're, they're always looking. They're always saying, hey, could you teach me? Who could teach me? Who's doing this? How could I learn from them? Uh, someone said it great. He says, if you want to get to the top of any mountain, look for someone who's coming down from that mountain because they've been there. Don't try to figure the way to the top on your own, but ask somebody, lean into someone, listen and absorb everything that you can from them. This is huge. I remember John Maxwell, who's someone by by way of teaching, I've read most all of his books and, and I've been to his conferences and, and I feel like I've been mentored a lot in the area of leadership. And one of the things that stood out to me, this goes way back some 35 years when I first began to listen to him. He said, uh, when you turn 40, one of the things he realized is that I, I've kind of hit my peak. I've kind of reached the, the top of my leadership. I, I've worked hard. I've learned a lot of this. And, and that the Lord really revealed to him at that point that from now on, what you have to change your thinking is that those around you will determine the level of your success. People around you, those that you learn from and those that you mentor and raise up. If you want to go higher, <laughs> it won't just be through your own efforts. It'll be through your team and through your mentoring. And so this is this is what I, I want to just challenge. And I just feel that we're in a season that we need to go to a deeper level and find people. And I, I'm dedicating myself uh, to mentor and be mentored. I was just with, can't tell you how many times, I was just with two pastors uh, two weeks ago I try to do this every month, just asking them questions, speak into my life. This is the heart of the growth, being putting yourself in rooms, putting yourself especially to be accountable for the growth that you have. So what does it take? Number one, it takes being hungry, being a passionate learner, someone who who wants to grow, someone who is, who is never stopping. We always say, if you're not learning, you're not leading. It's, it's the very heart of it. And uh, I love what Matthew 5, 1 and 2 in the message translation, speaking of Jesus, it says, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside and those who were apprenticed to him, the committed climbed with him. And arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. And, and I just love that. Uh, Jesus didn't just say, hey, let me teach everybody. No, he said, I am, I'm going up the mountain. I'm going to see who wants to learn. And only those who are climbers, 
were in that incredible meeting called the Sermon on the Mount. I, I've said in the past there are four kinds of Christians. Some are comatose, they're asleep. Some are cold. Many are cruising, but a few are climbing. And, and this is what Jesus is looking for. Can I just ask you as, as honestly and as lovingly as I can, are you climbing? <laughs> are, are, every day, are you, are you trying to go higher? Are you, are you so hungry that even if it means somebody telling you something really hard to hear, you say, yes, yes, I, I want to know, I want to learn. I, I got to get better. Uh, are, are you... I, I see this in parenting, and this is what breaks my heart. Parenting is a skill that none of us did before we were parents. And yet, many people want to act like they're experts trying to parent their kids. And I know before I had kids, I would read all this. I thought I knew everything. I read so many books on it, and and uh, I, I love what one pastor he said. He said, before I had kids, he said, I had 30 theories uh, about parenting and and no kids. Now I have six kids and no theories. You know, I mean it. And yet, how much are we leaning into people who've done this? How, how hard are we leaning in to say, "Hey, I, I'm dealing with the stronghold." I cannot believe how, for some areas of my life, it was four or five years before I really went to a mentor and said, "I have a stronghold," and I can't tell you how quickly God began to work. When I had a mentor, when I had somebody fighting that battle with me and growing, one of the des descriptions of a hungry learner is they ask questions. They live with a beginner's mindset. Uh, you know, Jesus said, except you humble yourself and become like a little child, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Can I tell you when I know somebody's not really growing anymore what I've found is they begin to be an expert. And I, I think one of the scariest things in the world is when you think you're an expert. Because you're never an expert. Even if you're an expert in one little area, there's another thing to learn that you've never learned. <laughs> I've been a pastor 47 years. There's parts of pastoring. I am an expert, maybe. But there are other parts. I got to go back and start all over again. <laughs> and... And, and that willingness to say, man, I don't know how to do this. So what does that look like? That looks like writing down questions, finding people to ask questions, being hungry to learn, and, and asking a lot more questions than you ever give answers to. Uh, just, I thought this was a great insight. Uh, someone asked uh, John Maxwell the question, you know, everybody would like to be mentored by someone. And, and it said, well, describe someone that you would spend time and 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 uh an effort to really mentor and he says well let me give you an example and he gave an example of someone he he mentors so number one before they come they write down their questions they think about questions uh and uh, that's something i learned that day i've got them on my phone uh 10 questions when i get to meet somebody and i ask them one of those is uh, what is the greatest lesson you've learned from failure? I've found some great conversations there. But but then they apply what they've learned, and then they, they come back. And he can always tell whether there's going to be a, a next session by, by the second session. 
And he said this, this was what he found, the greatest mentee in the world he had, came back to him and had written all this stuff out and says, uh, Mr. Maxwell, this is what I heard you say. And then he said, and this is what I learned. And this is what I did about it this last month. Did I do the right thing? Can I ask another question? Isn't that good? Uh, wouldn't that get your attention if somebody was saying, I, I'm, I'm ready, I'm going to learn, I'm going to apply this, I'm going to come back and uh, get all that I can from anyone that I can, everywhere I can. We know that for Christian mentoring, it always involves commitment. Uh, Jesus was very slow in who he picked to mentor. Why? Um, he wanted people that would grow and learn. And how do you know if someone will grow and learn? They make a commitment. They leave things behind. They're willing to give up. And Jesus would say in Luke 14, 26, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to leave even some relationships, maybe even family members. You're going to forsake possessions. You're going to, you're going to pay a big price. Why? Because you don't grow up until you give up. There's always something to give up if you want to grow up. And, and so if you really, can, can I tell you, if you, really, if you really want to be a great mentee, you have to have said, Lord, am, have I given up what you've wanted me to give up? Have I surrendered? Is there areas of my life that you convicted me about that I haven't yet uh, dealt with? There has to be a commitment there. There has to be a, a sense of, I am all in. Uh, as we say, there's the fans in the stands and then there's the players on the field. I'm not going to just wear the t-shirt. I'm in this. And, and I'm in it by what? By proving that I will do the things that change my life. Not just do the things that uh, make me look spiritual, but I am changing my habits. I am changing my life. And, and, and I'm willing to grow and learn obedience. You know, Jesus said, teach them to observe or obey. That's the heart of a true mentee. I am trying to learn how to obey Jesus better in every area of my life. One of the, the huge things is they are willing to embrace testing and they're willing to take to, to realize it takes time. They're willing, you know, some people I've tried to mentor, they just want the stage as fast as they can get it. And they don't understand. There's time. There's, there's a process. Be patient. Uh, a huge part is, it has to do with learning how to embrace failure. And this is a huge part, if I can just say right now, both, both in being a mentee and being a mentor, a huge part of your time together is processing failure. Why? Because there's only one way you learn, <laughs> and you learn, as we call it, failing forward. Uh, the growth process is learn something uh, theoretically, try it, fail in many ways, admit that you failed, ask for help, learn from your failure, try again, get a little bit more right, <laughs> ask for more advice, fail some more, Try again. That's that's just it's just the process, and and uh, James five sixteen. I think it's so important to describe a mentoring relationship where it says, confess your sins or faults to one another and pray for each other, that you might be healed. Uh, 
This is just an incredible part of the journey is can you as a mentee embrace failure and not throw in the towel and not blame and not make excuses, but to bring that to the light and be raw with other people and, and let them speak into those areas of your life. A fifth thing is they have a plan uh, to grow and be transformed. Someone said everyone intends to grow, but very few people have a plan for growth. And so one of the things that we have set here at Heart for the World as a high priority is what we call our growth track. And I just want to encourage you, some of you are very mature Christians, but you've never been through the growth track. And one of the things that we have set up is is to go more in-depth. So we're actually doing Equip 101, 201, 301, 401 as a three to four hour session. And, and by going this, even though you may already know some of these basics, you actually are learning the language and culture uh, of the pastors here at the church so that you can mentor others in the same way. But these... These four equipped classes also share with you what we think are the core things of being mentors. What we're talking about mentoring, we're talking about spiritual disciples. We're not talking about you know necessarily being a health coach or a money management coach. We're talking about learning to obey Jesus. And we have broken it down into four great areas. Number one is know God. So the first questions in all of our mentoring is, is your intimacy with God? Do you know him? Have you learned to worship? Have you, do you have a relationship? What does your relationship work with? How do you talk to God? Uh, the second phase is find freedom. And this is huge. This, you know, when I'm d- d- mentoring someone, and right now I'm being mentored too, and that is just on my beliefs. We focus on beliefs more than behavior. So what am I believing? You know, when I was with Steve Backlund recently, he gave me the challenge and I got me a, a, a counter. He said, make, try to make a hundred declarations a day of your best beliefs. I can do all things through Christ. So I got my little clicker and, 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 uh, and, and I'm trying to do that. That's a discipleship thing for me because I still have some wrong beliefs that are hindering me. Finding freedom has to do with identity. One of the biggest places we coach people is, do you know who you are? As we say, the first most important question in the world is, who do you say Jesus is? The second most important question is, who do you say you are? Do you know who you are? Uh, Thirdly is values. And so much of what I'm trying to do with the podcast and with, with our Elevate has to do with this the values that we as hard for us. So I call them our special sauce. These are 11 herbs and spices. These are the core values. I'm talking about one today, which is personal growth, being a person growing by being a mentor and by being mentored by others. Uh, Then discover your purpose, being mentored in your gifts, your passion, your calling uh, in the church, and then make a difference finding your your dream to make a difference for God in the world. Are you in your calling? How do you live out your calling? Those are the core things that we want to be mentored in at Heart for the World, and we want to mentor others in. Just two more things real quick. 
the process of being great minty is that you are a great encourager as well. That's both sides of this. You you mentor others by encouraging. You become mentored by not only being encouraged, but encouraging others. One of the things that we see is 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 when you when you learn from someone, you should honor them. You should value them. You should this should be a culture of out because the more you honor and believe in others, the more encouragement we have, the more we're all going to grow and be discipled. And then lastly, we need to understand that being mentored is more than knowledge, it's more than discussion, it's more than learning. It's on the job training. It's so interesting, it says in, in, in Mark 1, that when Jesus called the disciples, he called them, number one, to be with him, and, and then number two, to minister with him and learn how he did life. Um, so when we talk about a mentoring relationship, and right now our main pathway is through life group and small groups and table groups, we want to invite people, though, to not just a discussion, but a relationship with people who are being mentored by, by me and others and who are taking that and, and building relationships at their table in which they walk with each other and not only learning things, but doing things together, going on outreach, solving problems, uh, working out plans for for discipling others in their group or doing uh, outreaches or other things like that. We understand that what does it take to be mentored? Mentoring is not only hearing and explanation, it's demonstration. It's watching people do things and asking questions. Number three, it's participation. It's, it's going out and doing it. It's, hey, come help me pray for this person. Hey, Come on, let's go and visit this hospital together. Okay, let's go and serve in kids' church together. And then it's examination. It's let's talk about that. What did you learn? How can we do this? How can we do it better next time? And then it's delegation. Here, I'm now asking you to take a responsibility in the church. Will you see that so-and-so or such-and-such gets done? And then ultimately, it's multiplication. Will you now take someone else with you and mentor them so they can do it too? I just want to encourage you today to I want to ask you some questions. Uh, who is mentoring you? What are areas that you need mentoring in? What are some things that you could do right now that move you towards a, a mentoring relationship with other people? and set you up eventually to be able to mentor other people? Are there gaps? Perhaps in your growing up years, there were gaps. You never learned about how to handle money, or you didn't learn how to deal with conflict. What gaps in your life that you are now seeing less than great fruit from should you begin to seek for mentoring? How would you today ask God, to help you become a great mentee. I know that's going to help you, and I know it helped me. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of today's podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale's Leadership Podcast. 
Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on our social media. You can find more information about courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website, hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.